Hey listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. This week, we are talking about shame. This was a really interesting one to record, and I didn't realize I had so much to say on the subject. Uh, This cropped up, uh, this was originally part of our listener mail episodes around Vindom. Yes, we are going on with Vindom quite a long time, I know. But uh, yeah, this one led into this whole other discussion and it ballooned out into a wider discussion about shame. So we figured we'd give it its own episode and really dig into the topic. Um, We go to some interesting places, talk about some of our personal experiences. um, And I really hope you like it. First, before we get on with the interview, I would like to thank our beloved patrons. Uh, We have our $1 tier, which lets you get all episodes a week early and we'd also like to personally thank our show sponsors who make our new recording equipment possible our new editing software possible uh self-hosting so we don't get censored or taken down for having adult content all possible all thanks to you so thank you to adam farris andrew blackley connor bone deco very brian c harry hypnotist and matthew amara thank you so much so just as a quick content warning, obviously talking about shame, we go into some deep topics, but also Buster, when talking about his dynamic with some of his subs, uses the F slur because that's what they use in their thing. So just so you're aware, that will be in there. Cool. Happy listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. It was really interesting to record. Um, so on with the interview. Hello and welcome again. So today's kind of a continuation on from our listener mail episode. We got one last question which dealt with shame and we kind of got talking and decided this could be its own episode because it's such a big and varied topic. So we'll start off with the original listener question which was around our Findom Q&A and we'll broaden it out into a larger discussion around shame. As always, we have the lovely Buster. Well, hello there. <laughs> so, yeah, we just, we got talking and we decided this was a, quite a big topic because, you know, as gay people and as kinksters especially, shame can be a big factor in our lives. And it's something we should, that I think is worth exploring, especially talking about how people deal with it how it happens how it happens within our own communities which is an important point and just addressing some of these things yeah and i think that kind of shame is one of those topics that that comes up so often like i feel like we're five years out of date to kind of talk about the velvet rage but yeah the the the, kind of there's always a an element in one's self-discovery whether we're looking from a kink perspective or whether we're looking from a kind of just a wider LGBT perspective especially in today's world where we have to kind of look at the shame that we've internalised a long time ago when I kind of learnt about a lot of this stuff when I went through a rehab journey that kind of helped me to become who I am today the, the topic of kind of shame versus guilt came up for some kind of like right okay how do we are these the same thing are they different things like how do we define these things and shame was always defined as hurt pride in those situations where you feel like you are a certain type of person 
and you have your kind of self-esteem built around that but there's a conflict with that in your behavior for instance you might feel yourself as somebody who would stand up for themselves if they were getting bullied but somebody tries to mug you and you just hand over your phone yeah and and, and one can feel shame about that or one can feel shame for instance if one's taught from a young age that men masculine and strong and wear lumberjack shirts and chop down trees and instead you want to wear high heels and press wild flowers we can feel shame about that because we have an image of what we should be and I feel like so often the word should is one of the most toxic things we have in the LGBT community in general life even I've noticed a massive increase in recent years of arguments online about a lot of shoulds around the gay community like what what should good representation be what should gays and lesbians and trans people and asexual people and non-binary people be in media a friend has released a recent book on lgbt villains for dungeons (laughs) and dragons and he's got a lot of pushback about it because there's a sense that the only representation you can have is that the characters should be good and noble and a good example. Yeah, and, and, and we, we both know plenty of people in this community who are perfectly lawfully evil or oh, yeah. chaotic good. And, and actually there's this kind of this manufactured sense of the lawful good is largely in some ways is how we've won so many LGBT rights that when you're turning around to Tory lawmakers and you're trying to get them to behave in a certain way you have to speak their language you have to show them white gay people you have to show them holding hands and loving each other and adopting a child we're just like you exactly but we're not just like them Mm. I can see how it's more expedient in the short term to do that mm. and it is the easier road but the trouble is that then leaves out people that don't or can't fit that mold mm. and this is one of the problems when we were first talking about equal marriage and kind of right how do we go about getting the next priority should we say and that priority was largely set by large organizations of upper middle class gay men even though, though when it's important to note like that people mean well people go yeah, right yeah. okay well what's the next thing but they're following an internal model of the world then when we kind of take a step back and look at well actually what was stonewall like in 2010 when we were talking about equal marriage well it was run by a white ex-labor councillor who vehemently well now it turns out that he was largely in cahoots with Bev Jackson who went on to start the LGB alliance who was one of the founders of of Stonewall and and, and the, the entire organization was was systemically anti-trans because they felt that they could achieve more by having a very focused picture of who Stonewall's demographic were yeah and obviously Ruth Hunt appointment as CEO kind of shook everything up and kind of turned the tables a little bit and I think that it's something that a lot of activists are are now realising that in some ways we shot ourselves in the foot 
by presenting a certain way and then actually in a way we've sneaked the trojan horse in yeah <laughs> we, we've got the kinksters and the queers and and everything like that in the in the castle but now we're being stabbed in the back because we're not how we should be yeah i was actually watching an interesting video the other day by a gentleman who works in the advertising industry mm-hmm. and it's quite interesting because there are some quite blatant discussions behind closed doors about how to advertise to lgbt people and it basically goes along well we've kind of figured out the golden ratio for advertising to married middle class white gay men and perhaps lesbians Mm -hmm. but how do we how do we market and get money out of trans people like that is literally the conversation going on and they can't figure it out because trans people don't fit into this nice white picket fence middle class gay men image that they've built up well this is interesting because i mean keeping my employer's name set to one side as somebody who works in the in the health sector i had our communications department reach out to me as i kind of lead the lgbt kind of we recognize as a company that that health services and physio services in particular have been systemically transphobic and very homophobic for a long time and a lot of people don't reach out for help when actually we have really inclusive services and really celebratory services of people's sexuality and gender expression but the 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 impression overall is that's not the case and communications reached out to me as kind of the head of our lgbt grouping and and i was like well okay what do we do to market ourselves for lgbt history month Mm. like can you think of any gay physios who've had this or that or the other and i was just like no there are no gay physios (laughs) i think there's about 20 of us in the country and systemically we're still largely racist largely homophobic Mm. largely misogynistic when you look at kind of the the profession as a whole we go well a huge number of people publish research and very very few people ah sorry correction a huge number of men publish research even though women are dominant in the in the fields yeah it's like 70 30 each way so 70 percent of research is by men even though there's only uh, even though men only make up 30% of the workforce. <laughs> they were actually very receptive when I turned around and said, well, actually, the way to market an organisation is to say, we recognise we fucked up. Mm. We recognise that we are intrinsically and systemically homophobic and transphobic. And we are committed to revolutionising the way that we deliver healthcare to just tearing it all down. Some companies are dedicated to the status quo, in which case you ain't getting queer. Yeah. Not gay as in marriage, but queer as in fuck you, we're having a revolution. Kind of like... Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that a lot of companies will struggle as they try and wrap their head around from an advertising perspective. We're going to go, wait, you want what? <laughs> yeah we want queer liberation and we want intersectionality to be addressed and we want and we want to be anti-racist and we want companies that are ready to put their bollocks on the line in order to stand up for what's right 
because we're slipping backwards as a nation into kind of right-wing weird extremism and therefore like if you if you want our money stand up for your principles it really annoys me when people sort of internalize this sort of shame and assimilationist attitude and again like everyone is just doing the best they can everyone is doing what they feel is right but i do feel there's been this really hard assimilationist streak in sort of gay media and sort of the organizations like Stonewall that's meant to represent us for a really long time and I feel that has done a lot of damage because again I've always been that sort of I'm not LGBT I'm queer as in fuck you sort of Mm -hmm. group and you get it with like well can we have leather men at pride every year it used to it it used to be drag queens and leather men at pride but ever since drag queens Mm -hmm. started bringing in the money and became an industry suddenly you know it's just leathermen people are complaining about mm-hmm. and, and and anything that involves sexuality in with with an emphasis on the term yeah. sex yeah it's, it's one of those things where our identity is so often weaponized against us mm. and and this is just a another form of exactly the same homophobia as we saw 20 years ago yeah and when it comes and, from inside your own community from people you kind of need to be on side that hurts mm. yeah but quite often the thing is that the, the loudest voices I've seen online are from like 17, 18 year olds who haven't actually experienced our community particularly and in some regards like I, I hold out hope to go actually as you learn about the diversity and the richness of the, the, the queer community as a whole it's very very kind of politically active 17 18 year olds who on one side be fighting for blm but really making their voices heard but then will turn around and kink shame but i think that that as with all things is about ignorance and yeah it's ignorance and in youth you have a very black and white way of looking at the world and like i don't want to be one of these people that's like oh the youth know nothing and you know my generation had it all figured out I, I promised myself I would never be one of these people I think mm-hmm. Armistead Morpin had it best when you don't have to keep up with young people you just need to keep open to them but I do also feel like you know so this really sex shamey trend and kink shamey trend is harming people in the long term and again I can see the short term gains that can make I just think it comes at too high a price Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and as I said, I think that the organizations are starting to realize that we've kind of bitten ourselves in the arse in the mm. long run. But then what we have to do is deal with 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 this kind of new generation of shame right now. We have yeah. to kind of mop up the mess as it were. Yeah. Should we look at the question? Yes, I think that's a good idea. So we had from Subzero who emailed in, and this was a question specifically for fin our FinDom Q&A. Do you have any pointers for cash fags slash fin subs on how to feel less guilty about tributing or getting drained, especially in regards to feeling of throwing money away? So shall we do a specific answer for this and then move on Mm -hmm. to a wider answer? I think that's a good idea because once again, one of the reasons I find this question quite interesting is Mm. that we've got kind of guilt and shame as two separate things here. 
where yeah. actually there's there's the element of shame around it but there's also the element of guilt kind of like around a behavior that you feel like you shouldn't have done throwing money away because there's a, the shame kind of side of being uh being a cash bag which is like actually you're turning over everything that society has ever told you you should be which is the person who has the money is powerful and there's no reason to give money away to anyone else and there's no reason to ever let go of your money for any reason and charity is just a way of glorifying oneself like our entire kind of capitalist society screams against being a fintub and then of course we have the guilt to go well actually could i have used that money in better ways i was horny and i splurged a lot of money on a, on a findom and i've heard people saying that they kind of get really horny and they feel a lot of shame and they end up like signing up to getting drained by a straight cash master and then they shoot their shot and then they feel terrible for the fact that they've kind of gone yeah. to that the, the the fast food of of kink the fast yeah. food of fin subs is is yeah. is the the alpha cash master xxx89 straight boy the reason i wanted to even do anything on findom in this on this show in the first place was because i sat down and talked with a fin sub who talked me through like how damaging the internalized shame had been for them and how mm. they got caught in that cycle of they would try and suppress it, but then they would get really, really horny and do something stupid with someone they didn't know and didn't have a good ethical working relationship with, and they regretted and felt guilty afterwards. And this shame spiral, to steal a phrase from The Simpsons, just kept going. It was only once they found a good ethical dom who was willing to both treat them with respect and fulfill their needs did that evaporate. Yeah, and that's one of the things when people ask me why I kind of pivoted to doing Findom. Like, mm. one of the things that I am always super keen on is if you establish a relationship with somebody and then you have a dynamic with them and you can tick their boxes. I've been laughed at and called a, a service Dom before, where it's like, actually, I really enjoy finding people's buttons and then pushing them because I love to watch people get riled up. I used to be an internet troll for a reason. I still shit post on a regular basis on mm -hmm. the internet because I love to get people riled up. And then if we're talking from a kink perspective, well, actually, we can find out from a few messages early on in like a messaging cycle, what do you prefer to be called? You can ask that super early in a conversation without it breaking the dynamic at all. And you're just establishing, laying down the ground rules of like a safe, sane and consensual dynamic where we go, right, okay, I've got cash fags, prefer to be called pig or or faggot or, mm. or cash fag or wallet. I'll just refer to somebody as like wallet. I would never consider doing that just like off my own back, but I will do it and... and the trick is to have a spreadsheet in the back of your head to think about well actually what do people want to be referred to as in order just to start ticking those boxes as with all kinks there's room for negotiation at the start can be a little bit awkward but actually yeah. as you start to develop that dynamic it pays off in dividends yeah especially and it... for me <laughs> yeah but this is the thing like being a dom that invests in people you get more back 
because you get back the knowledge you need to have a good working scene with people a good dynamic and you know to get out what you need out of them if you know how to push their buttons mm-hmm. uh, if we return to a specific <laughs> yeah, the question yeah one thing about regards to feeling like you've thrown money away it's well mm. are you getting value for money bingo because um, if you only engage in fin subbing or that side of your personality when you're desperate to shoot your load actually you're not going to get validation whereas if, if through a reflective process you've recognized this is a part of who you are and you're willing to put in a little bit of effort outside that you can build that dynamic when you're not super horny and desperate and and actually you can have a much more validating experience and then if you do get super horny you've got somebody to whom that tribute matters Mm -hmm. as there's a second sort of i thought i've had around this which is what sort of tribute is it because is it just a pure exchange of money or is it like towards something Mm -hmm. because something i found talking to other people and with myself is a gift definitely feels more worthwhile than just a pure transfer of money it has a persistence you can see the results and i get the impression that's actually more common in finsub than the purely transference of money mm-hmm. and that can be like a good thing to look at maybe simply passing money isn't in doing it for me in terms of the people that are usually reaching out to me as this is their first time usually mm-hmm. they want to do something like an amazon wish list yeah and i don't use amazon because ethics if you want to get me something you could get me a regulation gift card a mm. lot of people have chipped in various amounts for this rubber suit and in my head i've got a list of people who are all getting pictures of said rubber suit and some people will get a video of said rubber yeah. suit but that's kind of like this really far off where we're talking three months down the line kind of like gratifying like with all of these things you as the fin sub have to be in a position where you feel like your your needs are getting validated that you're getting mm-hmm. consideration it is um important to recognize people even if they have the same fetish experience it in a different way and get different sort of gratifications from it some people it's all about the cash some people it's about the idea of gifting and that can be enacted in very different ways you find this across the board with all fetishes like two Mm. people with the same fetish will experience it in different ways and want to do different things with it and i think i talked last time we spoke about somebody who i know fairly well who's Mm -hmm. their idea of kind of findom and finsub is like he would buy his smiles to a box of fine cigars and then be his footstool as they were smoked and be an ashtray essentially for those cigars and it was just like this such a nice kind of romantic kind of approach to it there's just such a difference there to like the common way that we talk about findom and finsub as like the just dropping cash through cash app to a stranger on the internet it's like everyone there's just such a broad range of how anyone can or how deep somebody can go into an individual fetish some people are into just one thing some people are into like the whole gamut of things as i've mentioned before i'm into power and if you're financially in like in a reasonable amount of control and you 
want to like if you're solvent essentially and you want to give money to a Findom because you get off on that recognizing that and reconciling that into one's personality is one of the most powerful things that you can do because then you go this is me sorry I'm going to start singing from what was that musical uh, the birdcage no that's I am what I am yeah um, the oh shit the, the the bearded lady one. Oh, greatest showman when you can when you can kind of instead of hiding away from the things that other people would use as weapons against you and and just go actually yeah this is me and this is yeah. you as well but you're in denial about it <laughs> well yeah it is that thing of the stuff people hate most in others is what they have in themselves mm. and yeah there is such a power in just be and so freeing just to be able to just state what you what you are and mm. you know again shame is built on the idea of i shouldn't be this i should be this and it's just like just be just being publicly say i am this it is what i am and that is a neutral or even positive declaration is mm-hmm. so incredibly freeing yeah, I so mean, we all experience it in coming out. When we yeah. come out, for the, for the people that come out, that 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 kind of mm. just being able to take a big sigh of relief and just go, okay, I I'm able to be myself, and people will love me. And and so often when coming outs go bad, it's an opportunity then to cut ties and to move on, and yeah. to find ourselves in a place that's amazing. And, and... if you come out as kinky. You don't have to come out of work as kinky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> when people were talking about coming out, one of the phrases were, well, life is a series of coming outs. And I kind of rolled my eyes at that because it's kind of like one of those empty <laughs> platitudes. Well, yeah, but that's not the same as LGBT coming out. But the older yeah. I've gotten, the more I realise I have. I've come out. I've come out then as kinky. And then I've come out as very specific niche kinds of kinky. And then mm-hmm. I've come out, had to come out as autistic and ADHD, which that was a lot more traumatic than I thought it would be. <laughs> like, because I had to reevaluate who I was. I'm doing a whole episode on autism and ADHD and kink, but cool. I had to sit down with my manager and go, okay, I have a disability. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly hard for me because that was the first time I ever vocalized that about myself. And it forced mm-hmm. me to fundamentally shift the way I view myself. And it shifts it, it forces you to shift the way that you view disability as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I always, like, I recently had to stand up for myself at work because I'm deaf, mm. I use hearing mm. aids, and the interpreter service that we use is like a remote system and is not fit for purpose. It lets yeah. patients down, it lets clinicians down. And most people just struggle by with it and hope for the best. And actually, like, I don't have to engage with it because it's, it's, it's not accessible in the slightest. And every time something comes up about like, oh, every time I get a new line manager or I change jobs within the company or something like that, yeah. the whole question comes up again. And just being able to go, no, you find a better system because it's your problem, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> if I have a disability, what are my perceptions of people who have other disabilities? I, I'm not normal, but I think of myself as normal because we all use ourselves as the baseline for what yeah. the rest of society is and therefore if i have a disability 
what are the people who are on the other side of that baseline, like who, who are wheelchair users? How do they feel when they get out of bed in the morning? Will they feel the same as me? They mm. feel like they're the center of the universe, like we all do. And therefore it's kind of like, it's a very different value proposition to thinking about, oh, those people over there. It forces an empathy on us. And again, being able to vocalize and say, you know what? I'm not normal. I'm not the baseline. <laughs> I have needs. That is so incredibly freeing and empowering when you do that. And I think that there's also a flip side to that as well, which mm. is that I'm one amongst many. Actually, a lot of people are like this, even though my needs aren't particularly common. In the kink scene, I'm one of many. I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm not the worst. You'll never be the best person in the world, and you'll never be the worst person in the world. You'll never be the most kinky person in the world or the least kinky person in the world. You're just where you should be. Yeah. That's just, you're just where you are, even. Like, let's remove the word should from that. Regardless of whether you enjoy being spanked by somebody who calls themselves daddy or like that some people would find utterly shocking like vanilla people would find that horrifying to go wait wait is this like you're working out your dad trauma and we go yeah, yeah. probably and we we laugh it off and that's kind of completely fine in the queer community but this is just like another kind of like with FinSub especially it's just got another layer to it where we go actually yeah I like giving money to people or I like uh kind of category or i have a firm hierarchy in my head that i'm on the low side of that and i prefer to i I prefer to kind of worship people who are higher up in that hierarchy that i have in my head which we will talk about that later because there are pros and cons to that and stuff you have to work out for but yeah shame's a lot easier to deal with if you find people like yourself if you can view yourself in others and see you're not so alone you don't have to do so much sort of internal work on your own self-esteem because mm. humans are social primates. We gain our baseline from the community around us. We, our brains are wired to need community. And so to find a place where you see yourself reflected and shared values reflected and shared needs reflected really does a lot to reduce shame on its own. And again, so, you know, not to sound all new agey, but speak your truth and just be like, yes, I am this and there is nothing wrong with this. And it's also finding other people you can connect with about it. I mean, there's a flip side to that, which is if you come out loudly as a fin sub, there's a lot of people who mm. try and take a lot of money off you. And I think that that's one of the fears there that we're, we're going, like there's a big difference, like me being gay doesn't mean I'm attracted to you, Bruce, at work. Well, mm. me being a fin sub doesn't mean that I want to give you money, Dave, on the internet, like, or Ca- Alpha Cashmaster 99 XXX. Yeah, and th- that's the, the other part, or important part of having a community is subs talk. Mm-hmm. Like, subs talk to each other, and we tell each other who to avoid and who's a good <laughs> person and point them towards. And I'd love to see more kind of vocal fin subs in general because kind of like right okay well let's reclaim this a bit and start talking yeah. about it and 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 say well what turns me on and what doesn't turn me on and what have i had problems with and what haven't i had problems with and it takes an enormous amount of bravery to stand up and say something like that um, yeah. if you're the first person to say it yeah exactly it is and it can feel really daunting yeah it's... it struck me that that actually there's an extra layer of secrecy like so if i if it, 
sometimes I've mentioned this before. I have dynamics with people where they want their they they want me to gloat. Uh, mm-hmm. Or they want me to like publicly kind of show off their their tribute, and there's a kind of a split side to this where, where actually I don't have a financial interest in telling anyone who that person is, and then obviously it's not my job to sh- tell the world that they are a fin sub. So therefore everything's done kind of like under covers almost, where it's like okay, all I do is show this list of payments that could be refund from Sainsbury's for all that anyone else knows because the yeah. recipient's black. And, but, but, but it's kind of like this default state of everything being kept under wraps, everything being super quiet and like... Yeah. I mean, this touches on something which I always really struggle to see the view in sort of exposure play. Like, oh, look at this. I've exposed him. And it's like, it's a nude selfie. Like, there are a million of them on Twitter. Obviously, but to the sub, that's something they have, I don't know, shame or nervousness around, and it's become part of their kink play to play with that. But to me, it's like, it's a nude selfie. I've posted many a time myself. (laughs) (laughs) But that can be enormously empowering to, if somebody's very shy about that, to to hand over that control. I think when we first started playing Toko and I, like, Toko was, like, had some problems showing off his body, and actually having that control taken away from him. And like instructions, like if he sends me a nude and I go, you'll post this online. Like actually having that control taken away from him, so that kind of like body dysmorphia just just stops being something that holds power over you, something that exists but doesn't necessarily hold power anymore. And, and yeah. from an exposure side of things, some people like it's not a kink you have, but some people are super around oh, yeah. by being exposed. And for me, like. And so often that involves trash talk as well. It's like, oh, look at this stupid, pathetic sub who, I don't know, like, it just, just in the moment, it's like, how do I think of something to, to say to this? Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, so often it's like, for me, this is like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't care that much, but it's part of our dynamic for me to gloat or for me to expose or for me to, and then obviously that then kind of, builds and you have some people who are naked with a fist up their ass showing off their driver's license and their social security number and and it's... that's then like ooh okay we we that escalated quickly yeah and um, and i think that that's a good point to get into one of our topics which is what is the point of shame cuz it does have a point it's not like one of these mm-hmm. negative emotions that you know you just need to get rid of Shame plays an important role in society as a sort of limiting mechanism. Mm. And we can see what happens when shame is taken away with a lot of the low recent political activities. Both in the US and UK, there have been people in power that have basically got away with anything because they just won't accept shame mm-hmm. about their actions and they cannot be shamed. And shame yeah. is sort of at the like one of the main ways to exert political pressure like through media mm. i mean shame is a control mechanism but it's also like it's a way cohesion of cons- yeah exactly for society overall benefits from areas of shame and it's a key part of our coding as human beings so yeah having no shame about anything is probably unhelpful 
But yeah. I don't think that anyone has the option to just discard their shame. Yeah, it's basically a matter of diving into it and unpicking why mm. you feel shame. If it's simply just because you are different and you feel like that differentness makes you wrong, that is something you can unpick and work on. Yeah. If it's I mean, shame because this is something that hurts other people, that's different. But but the thing with that is I was I was talking about this recently actually where I was kind of like I'm picking some of like how I felt as a teenager because one yeah. of my first fetishes was rape that I couldn't quantify it at the time but through a, a period of kind of self reflection and learning about myself and experience of getting older I've come to realise oh, actually what I was looking for was power and what turned me on so much about this was power. And now, like, me deciding, if I'm in a master-slave dynamic with somebody, and yeah. me deciding when sex is initiated, if they do not consent to this, then everything stops, red yeah, flags yeah. everywhere. But but it's this superficial playing dress-up, essentially, with yeah. the idea that that's really kind of healthy because it speaks to that side of, of, of who I am and kind of, like, doesn't deny it, but does it in a way that's super consensual and hot for both parties yeah uh, so i've talked that... about this many times which is in kink we build little sandboxes for ourselves, where we mm. can do and safely explore stuff that you just can't do in regular society and you make this little sandbox where there there's no harm because it's all agreed and set up is contained mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and, and and there's no reason why kind of exposure or anything like that should be outside of that. I like that yeah. idea of building little sandboxes for each other, and and we go right, okay, this little space is a is a safe space, and I think one of those things about actually having a a dynamic. So it's the difference between speaking to somebody, establishing a dynamic versus going to a alpha cash master kind of guy yeah. is that, that that initially when when i'm first talking to a himself one of my one of my key things is going to be established this is a safe confidential space like you have some fucked up desires but we all have fucked up desires and celebrating that in this space you can celebrate that and then there is the relevant aftercare for you to be able to go back and function in the real world without feeling like you are less than and I think one of the problems with the shame after those big splurges to an alpha cashed on whatever afterwards you realise mm. well, actually I I'm left alone here. It's like he shot his load and left. Like I I I I'm the one that's left alone here, and there's no aftercare, and actually that money has gone to a bad course. Yeah, that, yeah. That money is fueling homophobia. And, yeah. and so that shame can be an incredibly powerful driver rather than trying to expunge that shame to go, well, am I getting what I want from this? Do I have ethical boundaries that I'm not currently mm -hmm. respecting? Am I violating my own soft and hard limits because my dick tells me to? And then kind of like having the after effects of that, well, actually, that, that in a way that shame is telling you to wake up and pay attention the main thing that lets you decide between them is learning discernment learning how to pick out your own feelings and emotions and 
is this coming from a place of internalized dislike or is it coming from a realization of an ethical boundary mm. and that is very important and this also goes into guilt because as we've established guilt and shame aren't quite the same things guilt is when you feel or recognize you've done something wrong and feel bad about it that's yes. the simplest way I can shame can be a, a thought or a, a thought word or deed and 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 guilt is an action and, and to go right okay i've done something that usually guilt as a feeling is is a bit more destructive i think well i mean it's to say guilt is usually a negative emotion it's hmm. not really a turn on it's not really a, okay, I've actually done something I shouldn't do. This isn't anything to do with like yeah. my internal structure. It's like, oh, wait, I feel really guilty because I've harmed somebody else. To go back to the original question from Sub-Zero, he, you know, he talks about feeling guilty for just, just tributing, to use the term. That is because do you view yourself as doing something wrong when you're doing it? And again, mm. it can just be we're taught not to throw money away on stuff. <laughs> and it's like you know you should say for a rainy day and you should feel bad about buying like 50 quids worth of sweets <laughs> like you, you know that's a waste quote quote waste of money which is yeah you know, well it's your money <laughs> yeah if you want to feel guilty about that sure go for it i view that as a triumph <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just spent 50 quid on sweets. I just made my living room into a ball pit because I'm an adult now and I get to decide what that means. And it's like, have you internalized this idea that there are things you should and shouldn't do with your money for your own personal enjoyment? Mm. And and, and is that serving you? The question that it always comes back Mm. to is, how is this set of behaviours and beliefs serving me? Is it doing Mm. me justice? Because if you really, really get off and enjoy giving money to somebody to whom you have a strong dynamic with, and then you feel guilty afterwards, is it like... Is that guilt serving you? Is that donation serving you? Because if it's not, if you're, if you found yourself in a position where you're tributing to try and chase a feeling and you're no longer mm-hmm. getting that feeling, then yeah, it's not, it's not serving yeah. you. And to some regard, feeling guilty about that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's, a, it's a message to yourself. If it's wrapped up in kind of societal shame, as they go like, yeah, if, if you feel, uh, shame because society tells you that as the one with the money you should be like lording it over other people and you should be you should be using it for something else is a very different prospect from actually you're struggling to pay the rent and then you're doing this yeah it's like so long as you know your bills are paid your food's there all the life essentials are done your free money is your free money to do with whatever makes you happy. And honestly, my experience so far with FinSubs is they're some of the most financially organised people I've ever met because they yeah. have to know how much money they can blow on twats like me. Yeah, and <laughs> and again, that, that actually kind of triggered something in my brain, which is if you have set the money aside already, mm-hmm. it kind of almost preemptively eliminates that guilt because this is what the money is for i have planned for it and i have set it aside for this purpose 
Yeah, and like yeah. even if it's like a separate Monzo account that's just yeah. play money, or a Monzo pot that's like yeah. play money, and you can set it up that whenever you send money to a certain person, it comes out of that pot. Yeah. And that way, if you start to eat into your grocery money, it'll just reject the payment. Something like that that's, that's kind of really a strong way of kind of setting that aside. Mm. And in setting it aside, you spend it almost yeah yeah you have pre-spent it and in your brain you have made this association with that batch of money Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah providing that you're not doing yourself a disservice i i I find kind of stories of like guys sending huge straight guys usually sending huge amounts of money to to women and taking out credit cards and loans and stuff like that to try and get their attention that's like yeah. deeply problematic yeah that that, um, that crosses but, the line and again it you need internal discernment you mm. need internal discernment and a good community around you that will call you on your bullshit and mm. also point out dom's bullshit and doms yeah. need a community around them to call them out on their bullshit I mean, in in some regards, like, say, for instance, with that kind of the idea of the straight situation, quite often mm. it's a straight up, like, if you were taking out loans to pay for a prostitute, like, at what point does that prostitute have a, a point to say, like, no, that should be, like, there's not, not really a point, like, she has no responsibility over his finances at that point and so every individual situation has to yeah like uh, a lot of the responsibility falls on the sub but in in every situation it's just like you've got to have some discernment as you say yeah and you've got I to mean, have every some party degree. involved needs to not sound like tyra banks but take some responsibility for yourself mm-hmm. and again we are responsible for each other that is what humans do we are also responsible for ourselves that is what we do and if everyone strives towards that things should work out i hope <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and it's just like we're all on a kind of without sounding too wanky we're all on a lifelong journey where we kind of find out about ourselves and explore who we are and and then we die and it doesn't actually matter that much one of my experiences working in healthcare is that kind of having sat with people as they're in their last days Mm. and going like it's that old cliche of people don't regret things they did they regret the things they never did so actually if you've got a huge kind of if you've got a huge desire to involve yourself in some kind of bdsm relationship that involves you leaving work and doing this whole thing like if you have that desire your whole life and then you get to 80 (laughs) years old and you feel like that slipped through your fingers then yeah then there's a problem there not everyone will achieve everything that they want to achieve in life but it's yeah the idea of not doing something because of risk aversion Again, it all comes down to discernment because there are good reasons for not doing stuff. (laughs) But you have to put in the work and think through what is it a good reason or is this a bullshit reason I've internalised? And only you can do that. Everyone's (laughs) got their own set of limits around that. Again, you need to decide what's best for you and hopefully you'll have a community around you like talking to other people into the same thing who can sort of be a good barometer and judge yeah it's and again the import, one of the important things is finding a dom that can respect your limits and also work with your limits mm-hmm. 
And regardless of whether you're paying that Don money for their attention mm. or you're paying them in attention for their attention, or there's there's no transaction at all going on, and you're just yeah. you really love spending time with that person. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. And like, yeah, but, but find find somebody who who makes you feel good. And you know, the, we we keep going back to Findom because that is one where there's a lot of shame around it. But you get it around other stuff. I mean, we do need to talk about self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Like, because self-esteem is really important in this, which is feeling like you're worth it. And in kink, especially when we talk about, like, exposure kinks and kinks rooted in shame, if it's touching on real self-esteem issues you have, that can get quite destructive. Because I talked about the sandbox where we build these little boxes where we can explore stuff. Sometimes stuff gets out. You know, what I have referred to in the past as emotional leakage. And, you know, emotional leakage can be quite destructive. I will give a personal account. So I'm a service sub. I like to do stuff for my doms. I like to do labor for them. I like to treat them. You know, I will gift them. And... One of the things is I've recognized that comes from a self-esteem thing. I feel like, and God, we're getting into capitalist realism here. I feel like (laughs) my labor and time I give them gives me worth. And I have got into bad places before where sort of there's been emotional leakage on my depressive days. I feel like I am worthless and... I've had to work hard to uncouple my sort of joy I get from being a service sub from my everyday sense of self-worth. And I have to make sure that my bedrock of my self-worth does not come from what I do from other people. That's just a bonus on top. Mm. And that's a lot of work I've had to do. I think this is something that's kind of like, if if we're Mm. not going to get too deep into politics, but... If you either believe in universal human rights or you don't. This yeah. My, my, my thinking in general, like you either believe that we need to fight passionately for civil equality among all of the equality streams or you don't. I had a very kind of clear realization in that rehab process that I was talking about before where actually my self worth is defined yeah. by my status as a human being. Everyone, whether it's a, a, a toddler in Costa Rica whose parents can't afford to feed them, or a trans kid in Australia, or somebody in prison in Pennsylvania, like everyone has the same worth as a human being. If you grow up in a situation where there's violence all around you, you can't then blame that person so much for being violent. Um, obviously there's accountability but there's a natural kind of like well yeah they're probably going to be a bit more violent than other people Um, yeah and And the question there should be can we help them become less violent yeah Yeah. uh, but 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 with all of this their worth doesn't change their value as a human being doesn't change because the reason that we consider people who are in prison to be worth less than people who aren't or people a toddler in Costa Rica to be worth less than an upper middle class kid growing up in central London is because of capitalism 
and ultimately like we place value based on how much somebody is going to bring to society but actually yeah. that's how much money is this person going to make over the course of their lifetime we all have a baseline worth and i think there's something it's worth talking about the just world fallacy so the just world fallacy is this sort of idea mostly subconscious that a lot of people get that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and the reason why it's subconscious is because people won't actively admit this but it's one of those things where if you look at studies people kind of assume someone if they're living a bad life or have have bad things happen to them there's a sort of tendency to look ask a question of well what was going on with them what did they do in that situation and, and th that's really interesting because that there's a there's an underlying kind of concept for thousands of years humanity has lived in that way but actually it's a fairly mm. new concept to ignore like ill health when we look at some of the the mm. philosophy around healthcare and the history of healthcare is actually only in the last 200 years or so when we start looking at epidemiology and people like john snow looking at oh wait it's not the evil that these people, these poor people in central London were it's doing. It's not miasma. No. Yeah, it's yeah. basically the fact that they haven't been given a toilet far enough away from the well, so therefore there's cholera. Yeah. And when Jon Snow published that research, he was essentially slammed for, for, for the decades over that because people felt like he was excusing the disgusting habits of the poor. Yeah, and it's like it's that very Victorian idea of are you the undeserving Victorian, poor or the deserving poor? Yeah. If, it, it, or, or, when we look at medieval history, doctors mm. were often shunned because actually, if you were sick, you you had done something to offend God and were being punished. And if you intervened as a doctor to do anything other than alleviate suffering, then you you were interfering in God's judgment. And to loop it back round to kink, because, you know, this is one of those huge, big philosophical discussions. Yeah. But this we are podcast, a kink podcast. The Philosophy Boys, pod the Philosophy Boys podcast. <laughs> yes. In kink, it can be very easy when you're feeling down on yourself and you feel like you deserve punishment. And not the fun kind, the actual, like, I'm a bad mm. person, I don't have worth. To look back on kink play and, like, pick out the times where you played with those emotions in a very safe space and your current depression brain or like low self-esteem brain picks up at them and goes well actually that was right all along and that wasn't just play <laughs> i think the important thing is to recognize when you when the mm. that part of your brain is at work when depression is at work like mm. the idea of the black dog on your shoulder like, yeah I, I view it as as like i have a child living in my brain like as yeah. somebody who's with neurodivergency i i have a child who wants instant gratification living in my brain and i talk to that child on a regular basis and say no we're gonna go and do this first and then we'll do this and then and only then will we do the thing that you want to do yeah yeah <laughs> otherwise i'll spend all day masturbating <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, I won't go to work and i'll instead have random kink sessions like we'll we we all kind of like set things out in our mm. head and actually knowing when that self-sabotaging nasty little bastard is at work to try and get its own way is yeah, a really kind of helpful step i know a lot of people who deal with long-term mental health issues 
give a name or an identity to this part of themselves. They'll call it Cyril, and then they can go, that's Cyril talking. Shut up, Cyril. <laughs> I think that uh, this kind of uh, getting professional help around... I mean, there's there's the old trope of like every gay man being a therapist for every other gay man. But I spent some time working for a fairly prominent member of the community who's a therapist and it was this wonderful experience for me as a in my mid-20s actually kind of like not having access to a therapist on tap but actually having somebody who was seeped in these uh, uh, a mode of thought that encouraged me to question myself around everything And kind of like where kink was, like the fact that we were both kinky was like part of how we had end up meeting for me to end up working with mm. them um, on a business project. But actually having somebody with a therapy background to enable you to explore yourself, I think is really, really valuable. Looking at things from a from a self-critical but a, a, a safe perspective, yeah. where that therapist creates a safe space for you to explore yourself, the same as we do in kink sessions. But the idea there is that without judgment, we can look at some of these destructive behaviours and then kind of work out effective coping strategies. And then we have bleed over into our, we have carry over from our therapy sessions into the rest of our lives. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been in therapy for and kind of like, oh, you've worked through various different things and you think you've got everything sorted and then something will come out left field and fuck you over. <laughs> yeah and and it's kind of looped back in my brain when we was talking earlier about the power of just stating i am to the mm-hmm. world and just being i am this sometimes like there's a power in just asking people just to affirm your positive values because 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 you're not allowed to do that in society you you're not allowed to accept compliments in any way you have to be deferential and you can't say yes and people often pursue positive affirmation in sort of a backward way like Mm. they'll make sure to post good selfies online when they're feeling low and like it's food but it's junk food and it won't last just ask your friends or your dom for positive affirmation if you've emotional leakage and like a past session is coming back to bite you when you're in a bad place talk to the dom and just say i just need to know you don't actually think i'm a piece of shit (laughs) <laughs> I need to know those were just words. And actually talking it through, whether it's just kind of like asking like that, or I feel really low. Like I had a session last week. I feel really low. Can we talk this through? Uh, I find from a Don's perspective, I find that immensely rewarding because it says, even after you've shot your load, you trust me. And it might be that actually, no, I can't talk it through right now because I'm busy. But let's put some time in the diary for later on in the week and let's talk it through. But in the meantime, know that I care about you. I like I validate you. I uh, you belong to me. You're you're special. And and being able to kind of provide that for a sub is immensely rewarding. Yeah. Because while it breaks the language of sub dom, both sides br- are always bringing stuff to the table. The dom might provide stability and. Being able to provide emotional stability and reassurance is a key part of what we do. And and it works both ways. I recognise in this podcast we often talk about the subs needs. Doms need that too. Again, you talked on having sadist tendencies or liking some really dark shit as a dom. 
you need affirmations i know doms that need affirmation that they're not a monster that they are loved and treasured and an appreciated person and just to step away from the general like bdsm subdom dynamic tell your friends you love them and tell them why you love them (laughs) just like i know like buster and i are british and you know you're not meant to talk about your feelings or like just state your feelings but yeah tell your friends why you value them tell them why they're good people just just as part of chat make it a habit when you miss them if you miss them at the moment because we're in mm. fucking lockdown 3.0 because the government's yeah. fucking useless, tell them you miss them. And these are the really powerful things that can enrich and enhance a relationship that when you're together, actually you've got this background of like you, you put money in the bank almost. Like you, yeah. you, you, you've invested emotion in small quantities that are cumulatively into that relationship. Like yeah. little and often just being able to affirm your friends and like there's that old yeah. Maya Angelou quote of people don't remember what you said, people don't remember what you did, people remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And if you can reach out to somebody and say, look, well, there's, there's the old thing once again to kind of pull out from rehab, but there's the old thing of like if you're feeling down, call somebody. Because the amount of times I've had somebody reach out to me or message me and they're feeling terrible and they need some affirmation. And I was just in the middle of like a hellish day at work where I'm doubting myself and being able to then go, oh, wait, actually, I mean something to someone else and they need me and be able to then kind of like decompress with that person. And like the the depression and the anxiety always says oh they they don't want to hear from me I don't want to hear from me right now so therefore nobody else wants to hear from me but your friends want to hear from you and your friends want you to reach out to them and if if, if you're feeling if, if my friends are feeling shitty and need somebody to talk to I'm honoured if they call me Yeah, right? because it shows that they trust me mm. and they believe in our relationship in our dynamic and that's immensely powerful yeah I... One of the things with my mental health is I kind of feel very lucky to be a gay man when I'm going through my mental health issues Mm -hmm. because I have an emotional availability to the other male friends in my life I just don't see with straight guys. Mm. And I couldn't imagine going through the stuff I've gone through if I didn't have these like friends there. I can just say, I love you and I need... Um, to talk with you and you know you mean so much to me mm-hmm. and have that sort of emotion reciprocated and people tell me why they like me and just be open with their emotions with me and I think mm. that is something to be really thankful for It is LGBT people have a real community in a society that is incredibly atomized and individualized We have a glue that binds us together and keeps us together. We have emotional support other people don't. For all the damage that is done to us, all the pain that is done to us, we have an interlinking support community, which when it works well, works really well. Yeah, and I think that 
in the kink community and LGBT community generally, like, yeah, I, I'd agree with that and say mm. we have an ability to reach out to our friends and we have an ability to tell our friends that we love them and we care about them and mm. we don't have the, the Twitter meme of, like, fellas, is it gay to eat fruit? <laughs> like, mm. there's still this kind of toxic masculinity in the world that being able to have had to break through that but through our coming mm. out process by engaging in the kink scene we like there's a commitment there almost when somebody really starts to put something back into the kink scene there have been some friends of ours some mutuals of ours who i, I i've spoken to and and kind of view them mm. as like oh they're, they're really sane nice people and i believe they have a load to bring to the kink community and their their perception was oh actually they're on the outskirts and they don't really engage at all but actually I go, no, but what you do bring, you're an introvert, but what you do bring is seen and validated and appreciated. Yeah. And then and then you see them step up and kind of do more and more in the community from their own way, yeah. like setting up a website or doing kind of lots of kind of like interesting kinks and sharing that with the world. I know that you and I recently, we, we chatted about like other people in the scene that we want to see do well and like talking about looking after our friends and going like oh I'm a bit worried about so and so or I'm a bit like we have the ability to talk about that in such a way that it's not gossip yeah so and so said this and it makes me a bit worried like do you want to reach out to them as like a neutral third party and being able to even when we disagree on something to be able to look out for the other people in our relationships yeah, exactly. It's the Therapy Boys podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is something so, that is so badly missing from the discussion around mental health and, mm. you know, mental health awareness, which is it's entirely put upon the individual to fix their own mental health issues. And mm. a lot of the time it's probably because they're not getting what they need from the world around them from their community around them from their mm -hmm. friendship circles around them from their job they're not getting what they need to be healthy mm. and it, it, that's not entirely their responsibility that's their friend's responsibility and their world's responsibility to them yeah and, I mean, we live in a shit world where <laughs> kind yeah. of like people people are systemically oppressed and discriminated against. And it doesn't take a lot for as a friend and as an ally to be able to stand up and to make this my yeah. problem. Like if my friends' friends are being harassed on social media, it becomes my problem. And therefore, they can ignore the whole thing. And I'll deal with this. Don't you worry. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's where kind of like allyship kind of like applies as as kinky people we can be tremendous allies to trans people we can be tremendous allies to bi people who often get ignored in <laughs> the whole lgbt kind of like acronym yeah it has been a learning curve for me to adjust my language to just stop saying gay men and start saying queer people and i recognize yep. i've fallen into this pit in this very podcast but like i don't have a circle of friends who are gay men i have queer people mm-hmm we have the, the ability to validate, just through recognising mm. and championing people's identity, mm. we have the ability to validate people immensely and to look out for their mental health just by validating who they are. When somebody yeah. says, this is me, trust them and champion that. 
So if if you come out online and you say to me, I'm a FinSub, like my interest is not in taking money off you. My interest is in validating you and yeah, yeah, like and this is this is you. Great, fantastic. Let's uh, let's loop with all of it. You know, let's loop this background right to the beginning, which we mm-hmm. talked about sort of going with the safe option for progression. Like, you know, the most easily the parts of our communities that most easily fit into wider society get the attention and get the push. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to have representation where queer people like gay people are only these perfect paragons of virtue to be worth something and it's like if you are not willing to stand up for the messiest for the people that um, make you a bit uncomfortable just as much as those people you're not doing it right that that's not community that's not solidarity with people and again and and this brings it into the kink community with like stuff like fin subbing is there is this inner ring of kinks that are widely expected and okay you know slave master boot worship spanking that is all seen as fine and dandy but you have these outer ring kinks like you know like there is a lot of weird niche kinks out there you know like Mm -hmm. i often talk about my hypnosis kink which i've had a lot of shame around because i recognize it is both weird and campy in a lot of ways and also very extreme in other ways in this weird Mm -hmm. combo and like yeah finsub like i've dabbled in finsub and i've had shame about that this is because the wider community i've seen examples of people putting shame on that like people who are just a kinky and weird in their own way judging other people and saying well i don't want to be associated with that those people don't deserve the same sort of community and solidarity that i have enjoyed for my own kinks yeah i think that's something really powerful when kind of way back when when we started this conversation about FinDom mm. so often it's DOMs who have decided that FinDom and FinSub is exploitative and yeah. therefore will r- r- shame any FinDom that they see as being exploitative of these poor gentle FinSubs who who are normal people who aren't like you who you're exploiting and make and and and, 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 they, does, and then it's, it's not a kink it's just that right. they're damaged and exploitable because they're vulnerable damaged people yeah. which like and and that is shaming yeah that is as shaming as outright homophobia like what we see in like transphobia so often like well we have to protect children so therefore we have to punish trans people like swerves and people against sex work which is well we have to do it for the sex workers these poor people who we don't have to listen to we just have to save them from themselves and their circumstance yeah and that is interfering in somebody else's sex life for your own sense of heroism I, I, I've been blocked by a number of these people on social media because, mm. like, actually they're not willing to engage. They just they made a decision. Well, this is this is it. Like, their decision is wrong, and like, if they want to shame a bunch of people, like, I would encourage people to block them and move on, because like, if somebody says to you, like, you're safe, sane, consensual, your risk risk aware consensual kink is shameful or like isn't right in any way then that person doesn't have your best interest at heart yeah and i think that one of those things on social media in general is that we have to 
constantly be asking ourselves, the people we interact with, does this person have my best interests at heart? Because if they don't, stop engaging. Like, the, yeah. if they don't have your best interest, if, if, if you feel like you're, like some title holder doesn't have your best interests at heart, then don't listen to them. Like, the yeah. fact they've got titles irrelevant. Because there is no shortage of people who want the best for other people. Like, kink is not a zero-sum game. There is no shortage of people in this community who want the best for every single member of our community. Because if we all get pulled up, if somebody else gets pulled up, I get pulled up. And we get stronger together. If we dispense with shame and then we get to lead straight people, like, instead of being, like bitter about it we get to turn around to, to to a bunch of straight people and lead them out of their internalized shame and help to kind of throw out a lot of the intrinsic homophobia and, and kind of systemic transphobia that we see in the country we all win and so within yeah. the kink community if you've got if somebody's got a kink you don't understand and it seems a bit off to you like putting them down puts yourself down it puts the whole kink community down. And until you understand that kink, until you can say, sometimes there's this thing of like, can you repeat back somebody's argument in a way that they would understand? You have to understand the argument. Because if you can't explain their argument in a way that they would understand and say, yes, that's what I believe, then you're not engaging with their argument. You're engaging with the straw man that you made. And actually, yeah. like every time I see somebody shaming Vindoms or Finsubs online, it's engaging with the straw man and not actually explaining clearly, like not demonstrating an understanding of what the problem is. On this podcast, we have talked about abuse of people in the community. And one of the things is it's important for the community to call out abuse. But mm-hmm. you, to do that effectively, you first have to do your internal discernment as asking your motivations and is this abuse or am I projecting my insecurities onto other people? Absolutely. It's something that's a hot topic for me at the moment because I've yeah. been called out recently as being an abuser from many fronts because uh, Toko yeah. asked me to give him a black eye. I gave him a black eye, like gently, and then I said, in a risk away kind of kink, yeah. consensual you kink. You did way. it within but, rack. You, you discussed yeah. it, you did it in a safe way, but obviously that. I was visual... essentially cancelled. <laughs> to, yeah, to, to yeah. use that phrase but that visual because he posted a photo and that visual of him with a black eye set people off but it's no different to having bruises on your body if you within our community if i showed a picture of him with his buttocks bleeding from a whip and i've shown pictures of him where i've drawn blood with a single tail whip yeah and his gets, back has been mm. torn up and everyone was like oh my god this is so hot this is so cool this is mm. but like that level of bodily trauma is way worse than what yeah. caused this outrage. Yeah, and if somebody has seen a video, if a lot of these people have seen a video, actually how little it takes to give somebody a black eye, it's 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 really not that much. And we talk about things always from a subs perspective, but actually mm. that was way below Toko's limits and way over my limits. Yeah. I found out afterwards, and every time I've had to look at him in the face since, mm. because he's still got a black eye now, not yeah. as much as he had, but I find out that actually that was way over my limits, that I'm not yeah. willing to play with this coding of abuse, but it's still play. It's still that sandbox 
and yeah. people have a very strong reaction to what is coded in society for abuse. Yeah, it's like, but, how many abuse victims actually have black eyes? No. no. Very little. Most <laughs> abuse is... is yeah, yeah. What they have is mental trauma, and abusers are very good at hurting people in a way that won't publicly show. Mm-hmm. Like, even physical damage is normally below the neckline, where yeah. sweaters and clothes will cover it up easily. Yep. And, and honestly, mm-hmm. like, people who are being abused don't tend to take pictures of those bruises smiling and showing them off and then yeah. post them on social media and what like i know toko i know toko is yeah. very into like heavy body, right. of body damage every picture that we've posted mm. and plenty of the pictures that we've posted have mm. like a thousand likes like they get retweeted 250 plus times because we make some really erotic stuff like using him as a footstool and using him as a plant stand when he's covered in whiplet like the, the the amount of stuff that we have that goes viral that picture mm. of him with the black eye had more likes and more retweets than anything else we've ever put out into the world and actually we deleted it like somebody made a convincing yeah. argument to me about kind of some of the after effects of operation spanner that actually made me yeah. think no actually this is this is the kind of the this isn't about the coding this is about the intrinsic homophobia and kink phobia but actually, like, if anyone was going to report that to the police, it would have been a kinky person, based on the responses that I had. So he had a huge, overwhelming positive response in the numbers on Twitter, but mm. the comments, <laughs> like, we didn't get ratioed by a country mile, but rather it was more of a thing where people are have such a profound reaction to it that they when we have an emotional response to this, mm. it is an intrinsic human response to look at something like somebody with a black eye and have a in- very negative reaction towards it. Yeah. And what we need to do before we call out somebody else is to look at our own psychological response, as you said, and to go, what are my interests in this? What what does this make me feel, and why does it make me feel that? Then we can have things like check in on the sub. So the people that have our best interests at heart are the ones that message Choco to check that everything was okay. And the yeah. people that don't have our best interests at the heart are the ones that decided to make a song and dance of stuff in the comment section to tell me why I was the abuser and they were going to save Toko from me. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, actually, you've got this dynamic really the wrong way around. But you, actually, you've decided to ignore the facts of the situation and you're just going with your emotional response. And ultimately, if we want to persuade anyone, if I turn around, like, if we want to res- persuade Tories about gay rights, we have to talk their language. We have to understand their objections and we have to talk their language. If we're trying to deal with this latest culture wars thing we have, and people screaming about being cancelled, we have to understand that the argument as they see it, not as we see it. And yeah. if, we, if we have a negative response to a kink, we have to understand that kink as the people engaging in that kink see it not as we see it yeah and that is so very important because like there are kinks i find very uncomfortable to see mm-hmm. and i always make a point of this is my discomfort mm-hmm. and i need to deal with this 
It's like when I first came onto the kink scene, gas masks used to make me very uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. they were nightmare fuel for me, like like <laughs> World War Two gas masks. But obviously, if you go on the rubber scene, they're everywhere, and you kind of yeah. have to get used to it. Mhm. Um. Yeah. Like for me, that I've found that a lot of the kinks that I had the strongest emotional mm-hmm. reaction to were ones that later I could play with that emotional reaction. Mm. Like, actually, this has opened up entirely new avenues of exploration from a kink perspective around stuff like fins up, stuff like mm. domestic abuse, stuff like single tail whip. I used to be into bruises and thudding, but not anything sharp because the thought, the thought of drawing blood was intrinsically abusive to me. If I take somebody in my ownership, I'm quite a caring guy. Like, I want to wrap them up, I want to look after them. And, like, that's an immensely strong reaction. But actually, that's now some of the hottest stuff for me, being able to hit somebody so hard and so long that they just break down in tears and let it all out. And it's like this emotional purging, almost, where they, like everything comes out and all of their bad feeling just gets ditched and then they come out of it kind of feeling so much cleaner and like from a dom's perspective i've helped that sub to connect with that part of Mm. themselves and to to let it go and that's just so powerful for me oh yeah like kink at its best has this really good way to pull polar opposites into one like my service sub thing my service sub desires very much come from a place of wanting to be exploited, but I also wanted to be praised and rewarded for being exploitable. <laughs> and it's a very weird way to try and explain that to people. But but actually, like when you break it down into the emotional mm. side of things, it's like I can do whatever I want to you because you're mine. Mm. Because you belong, because mm. you're a part of something. I can see you getting hard. I can see you yes, getting hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> like, yeah, just being able to look mm. at somebody dead in the eye and just going, you're a useless faggot, but you're my useless faggot. Mm. So much of what I, what I see from subs is this craving to be told that they're like pathetic, but they're my pathetic. I see who you are, which is somebody who who's desperate to be pathetic, who's desperately to be, wants to be crawling around the floor and licking my boots and being beaten as you do it. I see that that desire in you, and I champion that desire in you. And you, you, that desire is important to me. Yeah, and it goes back to that whole thing of countering shame by just saying, this is what I am, deal with it. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. that is the first step, because even if you don't feel like it at the time, doing that just drives the shame out, and then you will find Mm. people that will reward you. You will find friends and doms and a community that will reward you for being yourself. The thing that like mm. is an absolute must have for me in a sub is self recognition and being being like the second you're mm. at peace with your desire to serve, then the, everything opens up like if you're deeply conflicted about it, like you need a therapist, yeah, not a, yeah. not a dom right now, and then you kind of work it all out and then you explore a little bit, but yeah there's 
there's so much power in helping be the one who validates and guides whether it's a friend or whether it's a sub mm-hmm. there's just so, so much power in that and it's so empowering to me to be able to go I can look up to people in this way I can yeah. be the one that validates and champions my friends and playmates yeah yeah like validate yourself and you'll find people that will do that for you mm. and I think I think that's a good note to leave it on <laughs> well uh, as always thank you for having me on thank you for for exploring this with me and our philosophy boys podcast and our <laughs> socialist boys podcast <laughs> all rolled into one well you know we contain multitudes uh, yes but thank you listeners i hope this has helped people i hope this has given food for thought and i hope you've been entertained so as always dear listeners thanks for listening and play safe